Osiris. The following program is brought to you by Osiris Media. This is your host, Neil the Night Holler, and direct from New Orleans, it's time for Trick Bag, your ultimate destination for the heppest tracks ever waxed. From Blue Monday to Saturday Night Fish Fry, from early in the morning till the midnight hour. For rhythm and blues and rock and roll, this is the place to feed your soul. So let's get ready for some sweet musical treats as we open up the Trick Bag. It's that time again. Another installment of Trick Bag is coming your way. This episode is part one of a spotlight on one of the all-time great R&B songwriters, Dan Penn. Dan has written hundreds of songs that have been recorded by an array of artists, including Percy Sledge, Aretha Franklin, Conway Twitty, Joe Simon, The Box Tops, Brenda Lee, James Carr, Otis Redding, Irma Thomas, Tony Joe White, Solomon Burke, Etta James, and so many more. He's responsible for penning some of the greatest R&B and soul classics ever recorded. I had the pleasure of interviewing Dan live in the studio for my radio program on WWOZ in New Orleans on April 23rd, 2019. I'm digging that interview out of the archive to share with you here on Trick Bag. So here he is, Mr. Dan Penn. I want to welcome to the studio the great Dan Penn. Yes. It's great to have you in the studios. It's a really an honor. So. Thank you, Neil. It's good to be here. Yeah. Good to be in New Orleans. Yeah, I know you have such a rich history in music that uh, it's hard to know where to start, but I guess uh, maybe start from the beginning. Of, uh, what did you, kind of music were you into when you were growing up, and what first turned you on to music? Oh, uh, church music. You know, I was going to church as a kid, and I love that, and um, I learned a lot in the church, and... Um, then I started listening to rhythm and blues on WLAC late at night in my little, I had my bedroom, I had my little green radio. Mm-hmm. So when the family went to sleep, I'd crack my radio. Yeah. And I would listen to WLAC for a long time until I went to sleep. Uh-huh. And uh, so that's where I got my R&B. Yeah. Was, that, was John R. on the air then? John R., Harmon Gazard, uh, uh, was Another Hall, one or two. Hoss Allen, was he there? Hoss Allen. Yeah. All of them was there. What, honey? Yeah. What? Yeah. I said Hoss Allen. Hoss yeah. Allen, yeah. Yeah, I, I knew all those guys. I had met them and talked to them. And, mm-hmm. uh, I listened to them. Well, I mean, I listened to them from 12 years on. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I went right out of the church thing into that. and. Uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to the R&B and the, and the black spirituals, and then, of course, I started listening to Elvis and Jerry Lee mm-hmm. and all the rock and roll pop stuff. Right, yeah. And, um, Were there a lot of places to go uh, back home where you could hear <clears throat> some of these bands live, the rhythm and blues artists? Nowhere. Not, not in Vernon, Alabama. Right. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Um, that's a little town, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. little towns don't have places to hear people play much. Right. So, it's all radio. Mm-hmm. It's radio, radio. I didn't even buy a record <clears throat> until uh, I moved to Florence, Alabama. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I was just listening to the radio. The radio was full of good stuff. You know, I mean, everybody from Brooke Benton to 
Patty Page, you know, uh-huh. you had it all. Yeah, so you had a, were influenced by a big variety of music, it sounds like. I was, I was, and uh, I loved I loved the big bands, and they played a lot of that back then, mm-hmm. and I still like that, and I like some forms of jazz, so, uh-huh. you know, but I still like gospel music. It's, it's such a good, uh, such a good message, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what made you decide to? Uh, what gave you the itch to start performing? Well, I was a performer when I started, you know, like everybody. I had a little band, and then I got to another band, and then I got to another band, and uh, I kind of got tired of that, of playing every, uh, playing all all night, every night, and uh, and I got that song as a Bluebird Blue by Conway Twitty real early on. I was a junior in high school, so. Uh, you know, I had a chance. I had a door open to me, to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, to uh, to start uh, cutting a few records and stuff. And uh, what what's made me uh, go out playing? I stayed in the, I stayed in the studio twenty five years. Yeah, I didn't come out. I didn't play anywhere. Yeah. I just played in the studio. Did all studio work for when all, during your, all yeah. studio, you know, I was an engineer, I was a songwriter, I was a producer, everything, and I stayed in there for twenty five years. And finally I cut that C D Do Right Man. No, excuse me, I cut that I cut that record Nobody's Fool in seventy three. And I got a little bit of notoriety out of that. Uh-huh. Not much, but overseas. Uh-huh. And and then I cut the Do Right Man record, and uh, suddenly they want me to come to New York to the bottom line and play in one of those rounds. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and uh, then uh, I started getting a few calls to go out and play, mm-hmm. and it's picked up as time's gone along. That, that's, what's that, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. 25 mm-hmm. years ago. So I've been playing live shows for about 25 mm-hmm. years now. So how do you like the, doing the live performances versus being in the studio? I like it fine. Uh, the, uh, you know, it's two different things. I still stay in the studio a lot. I'm a studio cat, and yeah. but uh, you know, the travel is a little bad on you. Yeah. That's the only thing that I don't like about the play. I like to I like to go out and play because you get so much out of it. Uh, as a writer, uh, you get. You get your little edges trimmed, you know. Yeah, right. You get out there and people, you get the feedback one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And it kind of sharpens you up a little bit for writing. And uh, But uh, some of your early records, before you really got into writing, you did a few on your own as a vocalist, right? Like I was thinking of that first record you did, uh, You Don't Treat Me Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Billy Sherrill cut that record. You you remember who Billy Sherrill is. George Jones and... uh, What's her name there? Uh, George and Tammy. Yeah. And a lot of other people. Uh, Charlie Rich. But uh, he cut that record on me, the very first thing. And and he changed my name from Pennington to Penn. Okay. Which was the best thing he ever did for me. Uh, I don't have to say that long name. Yeah, and it stuck. (laughs) So So I became Dan Penn, and I'm still, I reckon I'm still Dan Penn. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we cut that record. Where was that recorded? Was that in Alabama? That was recorded in a little studio in Florence, Alabama, over the drugstore, Spar Music. It was, uh, 
It was a uh, just a very small burnout country tone, one track, uh-huh. two or three mics. Yeah, you know, and they cut that record. and He put it out, and we went over to WLAY Radio in Florence, Alabama, and they put me on the radio. You know, mm-hmm. the, so the disc jockey said, "Well, Dan, tell us something about yourself." And I said. Well, I'm 16 years old and I weigh 125 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Betty Cheryl just cranked up the car and went back to Florence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Left me over there. Yeah. Well, he asked for something, and so you gave him something. I gave him what I had. Oh, you know? right. So did that air, that uh, that record get a decent amount of airplay back home? Or? No. No. Didn't do anything. Well, uh, I actually have it with me. Even should I give it a spin? <laughs> hey, you go right ahead. I. I did do I did do a kind of a shindig type uh, 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 what do you call it when you mock yourself pan of mine on a little show in uh, up in Tennessee up there and this record goes dun 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 bottom bump what I it went dun 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 I went I've got to I'm already. I'm mouthing the words, you know, uh-huh. and ain't nothing happening. Right. <laughs> it was weird. I, I know I must have turned as red as I could turn. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you had that was you had your first uh, TV appearance pretty early. Though. That was my yeah. first TV appearance in in my life for a long time. Okay. I, that was very embarrassing. Yeah. So well, here it is. This is uh, Pan right. Pan. This is I think 1959. Does that sound about right? About right. Yeah. It's uh, You Don't Treat Me Right. And then right after that, I think I'm going to play that uh, Conway Twitty song you mentioned. Uh, it's a bluebird blue. All right. Down Lover's Lane, we were walking 
Twitty with uh, Is a Bluebird Blue. And you said that was a tune that you cut kind of as a demo, I guess? Well, it was, yeah, beginning. it. They all start with a demo, seems like. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd put down uh, four or five songs in Florence, Alabama. And uh, this guy from Nashville came down and found that song and took it back to Conway Twitty. And I didn't know a thing about it until I got a call from my friend in Florence and said, Dan, you got a song on the charts. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's a chart? <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of naive, but uh, it got me started, and it's still a good old song. You know, I, it really was just a, I was a big Jimmy Reed fan. It was just a Jimmy Reed knockoff, you know, bloom, 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 bloom. It was that. So somehow or another, that got me going. Yeah. And uh, was it a couple of years later, or around the same time, when you met uh, Rick Hall? Uh, I met Rick Hall right in the middle of all of that. And uh, but Billy Shura was kind of my my record producer at that time up in Spar. And later he left for Nashville, and Rick went out to build his studio in Muscle Shows and Cut You Better Move On by Arthur Alexander. And a little later, I came and found Rick, and he was building a studio out. And uh, I walked. He was standing on his cement pad out there, and I, I walked out there and I said, "What are you doing, Rick?" And he said, "I'm building my studio." He said, "Come to work for me," just mm-hmm. like that. I said, "What doing what?" He said, "Writing songs." 
I said, what does that pay? And he said, 25 bucks a week. Yeah. I said, well, I might need a little money to move on. I'm going to have to move up here. You know, I'm married. And he said, yeah, okay, I'll sign for you. To get, I'll, I'll go down to the bank and sign for you to get a 300 bucks or something. I said, uh-huh. fine. So I, I started, and, uh, you know, he gave me the key to the studio, and I had the run of the place. I had I had Norman mics and, you know, A7 speakers and big pianos and organs and stuff. And so me and Spooner hooked up. Me and Fritz wrote some together, and then, then me and Donny, me and Spooner started writing. And uh, we were in there about every night for a year, writing every night, a uh-huh. couple of songs a night. Uh-huh. And we were young and full of it and had a good time doing that. So that's where you met uh, Spooner Oldham is yeah, at the yeah, studio? Yeah, I met everybody up the, at Spar Music. Uh, Spooner, David Briggs, Jerry Carrigan, Norbert Putnam, uh, Peanut Montgomery, Arthur Alexander, all the guys yeah. that, that were in that area, uh-huh. they all drifted to that place. Yeah. And it, it was ran by a guy named Tom Stafford. And uh, Tom used to say silly things like, we can have a hit. Mm-hmm. And we'd all look at each other like, he lost his mind. Uh-huh. I mean, Memphis was so far away, and Nashville was way up the road. Uh-huh. And I didn't. I personally didn't think much about it. I just thought, well, he must be dreaming, cause. And the next thing you know, you better move on. Was a hit by Arthur Alexander, the first pop hit out there. Yeah. So you know it. Somebody's making the statement, we can have a hit. Yeah. It's pretty important. So if nobody ever says that, you know, it might not happen. Yeah, maybe that was the, the catalyst that kind of gave you a little bit of hope to start it all off. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, and we were talking just a little bit about uh, Jimmy Hughes. Was that one of the first artists that you uh, worked with? Well, that, that was Rick's artist. That was the first artist, that, uh, first black artist that Rick was cutting. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I was writing for him, so I was there day and night. And I, wa- I got to watch those records being made and got to write some of the songs, write on some of the songs. And I was there, I was there when they cut Steal Away. Mm-hmm. And... I told Rick when he got through, I said, that's a hit, Rick. But he didn't quite, he couldn't quite believe or he, he didn't have, he, anybody wasn't picking it up. And I, I said, why don't you just press you up some records mm-hmm. and let's make a run to these radio stations. And you know, one long he did, pressed up some records. Me and him went to, uh, we made a run and he called it the Great Vodka Tour. Mm-hmm. We went to uh, Little Rock and down to uh, New Orleans and Birmingham and, and, and around and t- and playing playing uh, Steal Away on the radio. We'd take we'd we'd go to these black black stations and Rick had a good way about him and we'd talk to him and uh, you know that night we'd take him out for steaks and. Maybe a drink or something, you know. Uh-huh. And when we'd pull out of that town the next morning, what you would hear was, I know it's late. Uh-huh. Oh, I can't wait. Why don't you steal away? It was much fun. Yeah, so it became a pretty big hit for uh, for Jimmy. Oh, big, he had, I tell you what, he had so many orders when he got back to uh, Florence, the Muscle Shows. That he had to get on the phone and start calling around to like Bill Lyre and some people trying to figure out 
how am I going to pay for these records? I got to press these records. Yeah. Finally, he got with VJ Records, okay. and they they took it. Mm-hmm. But he had actually broken it all over the South, just that one little trip. Uh-huh. So, and you were part of that part of I what part, helped it. I, I was riding right along in that uh, old mobile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, there were a, a lot of other uh, great tracks too that Jimmy did around the same time that uh, you were involved with, like uh, "Lovely Ladies" and uh, "Worship the Ground You Walk On." And yeah, I "Worship the Ground" ain't too bad a song. Yeah. Do you have a, a particular favorite of, of Jimmy's, that you, one of the ones that you wrote? Or? That one. That one, Worship the Grand You Walk. Mm-hmm. All right. I love that song. Uh-huh. And uh, Etta cut that too, right? I, I think maybe she did. Yeah. <laughs> People would come along and cut some of these songs later that wasn't the initial hit, and, and I would hardly sometimes never know that they had done it. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. But I, I'm, I'm proud of every, every cut I ever got. Yeah. You know? So when you're writing a tune, I guess it varies, but do you usually have an artist in mind, a particular artist? Well, back in the day when I was writing, day and night, uh, I'd say about 50-50. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just writing, but if, if, you know, Rick would come to me and say, Dan, I've, I've got this guy, I'm going to cut him Thursday. Mm-hmm. I need songs. Well, that's all I needed. I would go directly to start working on something. I would just make myself go there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when about Wednesday he'd have a song that he liked. Uh-huh. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would I, I could write for people pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd give me a, some place to go and something to do, I could do it pretty good. But then again, I could write, uh, you know, just sitting around writing. But mm-hmm. uh, that was a different time of writing than it is now. I mean, I... I I don't write as often, mm-hmm. but uh, I feel like sometimes I might even write better. Maybe not as simple. Yeah. But 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 I like some of the songs I do now. Okay. But what's uh, you have anything that you're working on now, or one of your latest? I do. I, I, I'm I'm working on a I'm working on a new album, a Dan Penn album. Yeah. Yep. I cut six sides uh, just the other day. So, pretty, pretty nice. Yeah. So that'll be out. Uh, Sometime this year? I, I don't know. Yeah. That You know, I got six sides. I got to finish those, and then I got to come up with six more, and then we got to get a record company. So okay. I'm looking for a record company for my new album. All right. But it's going to be good. I, I've got a good feeling about oh, it. Oh, I'm sure it will be. If your uh, past history is any, any indication, well, I'm it, sure it'll be great. It just happened to hit a good little lick in the studio, and uh, had a great band, and it just clicked. And I got some work to do to them, but... Initially, they just sounded great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we were talking about Jimmy Hughes' Worship the Grand You Walk On. Should we should we play that one? Sure, I don't mind hearing that any time. All right, here it is. Uh, Jimmy Hughes' Worship the Grand You Walk On. And, and did you have a partner on this one? A songwriting partner? Boone, I believe. Okay. Please be inspired. Okay, yeah. so here it is from the pen of Dan Penn. Jimmy Hughes' I Worship the Grand You Walk On.
This is Trick Bag with Neil the Nighthawler. We're hearing an interview with prolific songwriter and producer Dan Penn, recorded in New Orleans in April of 2019. We just heard Dan mention being in the midst of working on an album, and since my chat with him, the album was completed and hit the market about a year later. It's called Living on Mercy. It's a beautifully done record, and it's now available at your favorite music outlets. Let's get back into it with another track by Jimmy Hughes. We just heard a couple of tracks from Jimmy Hughes, and both of them written by our special guest, Dan Penn, along with uh, Spooner Oldham. I think I uh, was a co-writer on both of those, right? Yep. On, yeah, uh, we wrote a lot of songs together. Yeah. It's a Good Thing and uh, Worship the Grand You Walk On by Jimmy Hughes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you yeah, have got the great uh, Dan Penn in the studio with us, uh, talking about his career and some of the great tunes you wrote. You, know, you did so many that uh, you were saying... A lot of times people will cut your tune, record a cover version, and you don't necessarily know about it. No, I I can't keep up with it sometimes because you know they'll they'll cut it in an area like here and it never got out of here, mm-hmm. so I wouldn't necessarily get a copy. And then I come to New Orleans and I hear all these people cutting my songs and I go hooray! All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, they all sound good. Uh, good singers down here. Yeah, I think we're going to get into a little bit of uh, some of Irma's recordings that some of the oh, stuff yeah. she did in Russell. Irma, Miss Irma. Yes, yeah, she's a great singer. Uh-huh. Did you produce some of her records too? I know you wrote several. But. I I tried to cut Irma there a little bit. Uh, uh, 
I recorded a, a little piece of a song called Zero Willpower. But we didn't have the full songs, but I recorded that front part. And then later on, when I got ready to cut my album, I finished the song. But uh, I did uh, I did help them over in Memphis when they were doing, uh, when she did the songs of Dan Penn. My heart's in Memphis. You know? All right. So I have been a little bit on the production end with her. And uh, she's a good friend. I like her. Yeah. And you first worked with her back in the uh, late 60s, right? Yeah, well, Alan Toussaint, you know, cut her first records. Yeah. And those are the ones I like. Uh-huh. Yeah, the Ruler of My Heart and uh, It's Ruler. Raining and all that. It's kind of raining so hard. That's a great, great record. Uh, and she's still sounding great uh, nowadays. She's I still bet. out there performing. Last time I heard her, she was... Mm-hmm. She was still great. Yeah, so uh, here it is. Irma Thomas on Chess Records. This one's written by Dan Penn. It's Cheater Man.
There's New Orleans' own Irma Thomas with two tracks written by Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham and recorded in Muscle Shoals, Alabama in the summer of 67 for Chess Records. This is your host, Neil the Nighthawler, and we're hearing from the great songwriter Dan Penn from an interview in April of 2019. We'll get right back into that interview in just a couple of minutes, but first, here's something by Tony Borders. It was written by Dan and Spooner and released on Hall Records in early 64. Here's Pass the Word.
studio tonight thanks uh thanks so much for coming in thank you for asking me Neil. Yeah. and uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface with you know all the the songs you wrote uh, i guess uh, do you have uh, some general idea of, uh, of how many songs you've written eddie, eddie here uh, my friend eddie, eddie's my friend and, and my uh, he drives us and he uh he does a lot for us but he has uh he has a little uh a dan penn museum in vernon alabama okay Go figure. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a little bit of town, but he's got a he's got a dress store there that his family started, uh, clothing store, and he began to uh, to uh, collect my records and, and, and stuff that I, I'd, I'd records I'd made, and I started giving him all my awards, what few I had, and everything. I give them to him, and how many how many songs I got, Eddie? He, he's got he's he's trying his his ambition is to get. Every song I ever got cut by everybody. Yeah. Now, that's pretty good. Yeah. So you want to grab a mic real quick, Eddie? This is Eddie McNeese, right? Um, I have I have about 370 different songs of uh-huh. Dan, whoever recorded them, and uh-huh. about 800 um, versions of those 370 okay. songs. Yeah. Got a bunch, but yeah. still searching for. Oh yeah, there's so many out there. I yeah. never it was a never-ending quest, uh-huh. but that's my quest. Right, and it t- can you tell us a little more about the museum? Where is it located? And in Vernon, Alabama, downtown Vernon, Alabama. Uh-huh. Um, it's a small town on the Mississippi state line, about sixty-five miles from Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh-huh. Three um, red lights. Three yeah. red lights. Yeah, yeah. Uh, home of Dan Penn. That's pretty good. And um, five, all kind of memorabilia that uh-huh. um, I've, I've collected. Some Dan gave me. Some I've found here and there. And. Uh-huh. Uh, um, the only music I play in my store are songs that Dan wrote, either he performing them or someone else performing them. Uh-huh. Doesn't matter. Yeah, so you, you you won't hear the same song very often. You don't have to. No, there's there's, so many. Yeah. yeah, Dan asked me one time, "Don't you get tired of this?" I said, well, "Not yet." You yeah. know, there, <laughs> I've got you know 370 to pick from different songs to pick from. Uh-huh. So no, I don't get tired of that. Yeah, and that is that generally open during the week and uh, yeah, six days a week. Okay. I should be there now, but I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. All right. Yes, and so check it out if you're ever in uh, around That's that right. area, come Vernon, to, Alabama. Come to Vernon, Alabama. If you uh-huh. haven't been everywhere, you've been there. Yeah, the Dan Penn Museum. It sounds right. good. I'm not to make a trip up there myself one of these things. you want to look on, it over yeah. there's not many dresses left <laughs> yeah. the, the records and the stuff has took over the store yeah but uh you know they got to go somewhere and eddie he don't mind putting them out somewhere so he's got all kind of stuff yeah. pertaining to me uh-huh. and we just got an award over in uh uh troy, troy alabama they give it Charlie State State College. They gave us an award. Me and Spinner an award for 
Well, it was a book thing, but they said writers, and so they give us a, 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 an award like we like we were book writers, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, you were the only songwriter to ever win that award. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But uh, he's already got it in the store, so I mean, yeah. you know, uh-huh. I can't. Uh-huh. I can't. I look at it a little while, and I go, eh. Uh-huh. Somebody else maybe ought to look at this while. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a lot of people that enjoy it. That come yeah, they do. There. They yeah. come in there and they go, wow, that's pretty wild. It's pretty uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. It's Trick Bag with your host, Neil the Nighthaller. It's a spotlight on Dan Penn with part one in a two-part series. Coming up now are a couple of more great tracks from the pen of Dan Penn. First up is a beautiful track that Dan co-wrote with David Briggs, My Dreams by Brenda Lee. And after that, we'll hear another Penn and Oldham tune, I'm Living Good by the Ovations. Each night in my dreams, you come back to me. But I wake up every morning
Of the songwriting partners you've had, I guess Spooner and uh, maybe Chips were your main. Yeah, two. well, me and, me and Spooner wrote so many songs, and then I moved to Memphis, and Chips' woman and I wrote those two songs, "Dark End of the Street" and "The Do Right Woman," which are the some of the best known of my songs. And uh, and what made you uh, transition from Muscle Shows to Memphis? Well, I'd met Chips, and uh, I liked him, and. I had, I had, my, I'd been down there about three years before in muscle shows, and I wasn't really getting. I wanted to produce records. I had wanted, I'd engineered, I'd wrote hits. I wanted to, re, I wanted to produce, but Rick didn't didn't want another producer. He was the producer. Mm-hmm. He wanted songwriter, mm-hmm. and I understand that. But you know, I wanted to produce me a record. Mm-hmm. So I had met Chips, and he had a studio in Memphis, so I went and talked to him, and I went moved up there. And uh, I got the box tops to cut, you know, mm-hmm. and cut a number one hit record. Stayed number one six weeks. Mm-hmm. You're talking about the letter, right? Yeah, there's a little, little letter, you know. Uh-huh. Give me a ticket for an aeroplane. Ain't got time uh, Played it. I, I cut it and I played it to Chips and he said, that's, Dan, that's a pretty good little old rock and roll record if you'll take that airplane off. Mm-hmm. I got me a razor blade and I walked over to the tape recorder and I said, hey, we don't even have to have this record. Mm-hmm. But, if it's, but if it goes out, it goes out with the airplane. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, it's your record, it's your record. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, you know, when you're young and you you mean business, yeah. you know, yeah. a lot you, more than 
lot well, more. You're more passionate about everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, you had the the idea of, of what you wanted it to sound like. Well, and, I knew you know, I somebody gonna, else. Came I knew along. I was going to cut me a hit record. I didn't know how. Uh-huh. I didn't know when. I just knew that I was going to produce a hit. Don't ask me how I knew. Uh-huh. Like Muhammad Ali, I'm going to beat him up. You know, uh-huh. I, I was going to write me a. I was going to cut me a, a hit record. Uh-huh. And, you know, it just fell. And, I got to do it. Uh-huh. So you worked with uh, the box ops for several yeah. years. Right? Yeah, I worked. Uh, I, I cut the first three, three or four records, and three, first three, three albums and four singles. Mm-hmm. And uh, "Cry Like a Baby" was your tune, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me and Spooner wrote that, and I produced it. And um, you know, that was another good record. They still play that record. It still sounds great on the radio. Uh-huh. A lot of people cut that. You know, what's that girl uh, cut Cry Like a Baby? You know, she, Kim Carnes, she kind of had a, another hit on it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, somewhere around here I've got a version by uh, Betty Wright of that tune. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Betty Wright and her version of Cry Like a Baby from her 1968 album, My First Time Around. I've got a couple more tunes to share with you before closing out tonight. First up is Joe Simon with Nine Pound Steel, written by Dan Penn and Wayne Thompson, 
And after that, one of the all-time classics from the Dan Penn songbook, Percy Sledge with It Tears Me Up. Through these bars I see the sun
That's going to just about do it for part one of a special spotlight on the great Dan Penn, featuring a conversation I had with him back in April of 2019. There's still lots more to come in part two, so please keep an eye open for that. In the second installment, we'll hear some of the greatest R&B classics from the songbook of Dan Penn, and we'll hear lots more personal behind-the-scenes stories from the man himself. Until next time, this is Neil the Nighthawler saying goodnight from New Orleans. Trick Bag is hosted and produced by yours truly, Neil Pelliger. Executive produced by Kirsten Cluthy and Adam Kaplan in partnership with EAC Productions, with audio production by Matt Dwyer. If you like what you just heard, please rate and review us and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcast platforms. Osiris. Oh,